This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. And this is Franchise Today on Wednesday, February 26th. I am Stan Friedman, and I'm coming to you today from the FRM Studios in Atlanta, or more specifically, the FRM Studios located in the infamous Buckhead community at the heart of Atlanta, Georgia, or as I like to call it, the Jewel of the South. Hey, many thanks again to Chuck Runyon, co-founder and CEO of Anytime Fitness and Self-Esteem Brands, for a great interview last week. As you probably know, Chuck and his partner, Dave Mortensen, were honored as Entrepreneurs of the Year in front of more than 4,000 of their peers at the IFA's 2020 convention. This was just a week ago in Orlando. Anytime Fitness provides service to more than 4 million members globally, and I do mean globally, as they have gyms operating through their network of more than 4,000 franchise gyms in 40 countries on all seven continents. Yes, that's right. They're the only franchise gym known to anyone with facilities in Antarctica. These guys have come a long way from humble beginnings in 2001, and they're only just getting started. If you haven't downloaded the episode yet, what are you waiting for? Pick it up wherever you go to download podcasts, or just ask Alexa to play the Franchise Today podcast. Today, following the front of the house, we'll be joined by Marcus Slater, CMTO at Decalab. But first, it's time for this week's birthdays, as we send many happy returns to Pete Rapaccio, Alan Boomer, Steve White, Chelsea Immen, Brendan Major, Michael Greenberg, Bura Ucken, Alvin Williams, Dan D'Aquisto, Scott Milas, Bob McQuillan, Steve Olson, Patricia Zweig-Franson, Dan Furuton, Liberty Burnell, Ken Walker, Nikki Garcells, John Henning, Michael DiMuzio, Phyllis Peary, Ed Howie, Nicole Hudson, Doug Jackie, Fran Tanner, also known as Mrs. Greg Tanner. And just ahead of a quick break and welcoming Marcus Slater, just a quick FYI to let you know that there's a live link at the bottom of last Friday's IFA Smart Brief, that being the Friday, February 21st edition, that links over to the IFA Facebook page where you can find an album posted containing all of the photos taken by IFA's photographer at the Orlando Convention. So be sure to check that out, like the page, and tag others who you think would enjoy knowing about it as well. And now, let's take that quick break, and we'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, Stan Friedman here with a word about Transitive, an amazing marketing platform that actually delivers what others can only imagine, accurate, dependable results that are second to none. All right, without getting too deep into the weeds, Transitive connects franchisees' customer data from all sources, providing high-octane fuel for their marketing engines. They then deploy machine learning, yes, artificial intelligence, which identifies various customer traits and habits, attributes that would otherwise likely go unnoticed, and it segments these customers into groups. This is important because, as we know, not all customers provide your franchisees with equal dollar value. But wouldn't it be great if they could easily identify who's who? Well, that's exactly what Transitive does. And what's more, it then accurately drives the appropriate offers to each of those customer groups, delivering specific 
personalized messages to each of the group's customers. Just like that, your franchisees are engaged in laser-focused target marketing, delivering them much more bang for the buck. You've got to see it to believe it, so what are you waiting for? Order up a demo today and tell them I sent you. Find them online at www.transitive.io. That's www.transitive, T-R-A-N-S-I-T-I-V dot I-O. Marcus Slater is the CMTO, an acronym for Chief Marketing Technology Officer at Decalash, a company that is experiencing explosive growth within a $62 billion industry. Marcus is going to help us focus today on those lines that are getting fuzzier all the time between marketing and technology. This should come as no surprise to anyone who walked the exhibit hall at the convention last week by virtue of how many new exhibitors have the word digital somewhere in their corporate names or the materials that they offered about their services. Marcus is going to break it all down for us today from the B2B perspective vis-a-vis franchise sales and the impact, too, of digital on the B2C side of franchisee consumer marketing. Marcus, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. I'm happy to be here. There's so many places we could go with this conversation, but I think the better thing to do would be to help the audience understand how I came to know you, and then we'll take the journey back to how you wound up in the world that you're in today. So for the sake of transparency, Marcus was part of a panel that I was moderating last week at the IFA convention. And the topic of the panel was managing the digital tsunami of consumer marketing. That's a mouthful, but it's a mouthful that's kind of scary to a lot of people because digital marketing has happened so quickly. There are so many people who really don't even understand the definition, much less how to enact it. So we put a panel together that included some really competent people from different disciplines within digital marketing. Two of them were suppliers, two of them were franchisors, and Marcus had a lot to share and he's bringing more of it to us today. So happy to have you here with us. And I want to roll the tape back, Marcus, and ask you to do what I ask every week's guests to do, and that is travel back in time to how you wound up in the franchising space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Stan. So uh, I will I will lead with it was very, very unintentional. Uh, you know, going back, I've, I've always been a very creative person, just, you know, from the time I was probably seven years old, eight years old, and, and cre- you know, just being super creative, finding new ways, always a uh, Mr. Fix-It to a certain extent, uh, no matter what the, <laughs> the technology or software is. And uh, as you get older, right, it becomes the um, some of the older generation using iPhones and, and always fixing those things. So I always had a knack for technology, but not only that, but understanding kind of how people react to things and and was always looking at how does someone react emotionally, physically to these different things and and what does that do? And so uh, through, you know, middle school, high school, I went through just creativity from, and that was creativity in in all senses from art to music to design. You know, I I remember building my first website, you know, I was about 17, playing around and and with that and, and really, really getting interested in, in how that worked. And obviously that was more in the early days where sites weren't as intuitive as they, they are now. And from there, I knew I wanted to go and, and ended up attending a short term at uh, Full Sail University. And for those that you know, you know, down in Winter Park, Florida, it is a probably one of the creative of all creative schools from everything from tech dev to video to audio, you know, just everything lumped into to one. And uh, I remember walking in the first day and just being just eyes wide open of, of everything that was at my fingertip. 
night sessions at, at midnight or 2 a.m. and you would go in and work on all these tech projects or music projects and just really lived and strived in it. And from there, really, I always knew that it was at that point that I really knew like, okay, technology and, and these things are becoming more apparent to me. I have just a, a natural ability to navigate those things. And in my early life, I actually, I spent a lot of time uh, touring uh, in the music industry. And, and what people always say is like, even from the, the, the music side, one of the biggest things that the industry, you know, now I live in Nashville, but one of the biggest things in the industry where right, we look at artists make most of their money coming from merch sales, right? And how do you get those merch sales by improving the way that you market, by improving the technology, but by improving how quick can a consumer check out uh, at a merch booth to get back to the show or pre-show or after show, right? And so when I first started touring, that was something that didn't really exist. We, It wasn't something that most artists really thought about. They just kind of let the sales organically happen. And so as we started to see that, we started to scale that on the road and how we effectively scaled merch sales through technology and consumer interaction engaging and ranking that data, analyzing it. And so I uh, had a ton of success there throughout the years. And it probably from that point and foundation that I know, okay, this is where I want to go from web design and technology and understanding user interface and, and how ultimately a consumer gets to that final buying point and retainment point. But then also how do companies do that right from B to B as well as B to C. So, you know, we went down that route and eventually, you know, as I said, unintentional, I actually fell into from, you know, I, I came from kind of helping startups grow like the Dr. Axe brand and things like that. I actually fell into franchising with a, a gentleman out of New York, Mario Castans, and we met, we actually were, were kind of introduced and met and I spent a few days in New York. I came back to Nashville and that really began and my kind of franchising and, and saying, okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out. I've I've not come to a, a system that I can't hack and break and figure out how to scale it. And you know, after you know year one, we, you know, we sold 120 franchise units and and scaled from there. It was phenomenal, 300 plus percent growth year over year. And uh, you know, from there it really took off. But it was my unicorn knack that I like to say of, of being able to intertwine and understand both the marketing side and the technology side that I think ultimately led to much of that success that, that I've had up until this point today. So how did that get you from there to where you are today with Decalash? What was that journey like? So, so Decalash actually, uh, you know, I, I, so I finished up, you know, that project and I actually was reached out to, I was referred and reached out to by Michael Devenham, who is the chief development officer over at Decalash and now Look Good Brands. Um, we need to talk, let's talk about this. We have gone through a hyper growth stage and that was really something that I had dealt with in companies that kind of had that hyper growth, but couldn't quite come over the mountaintop right or figure out how to integrate these systems to continue. We started to have conversations, understand the brand more, where they started, where they were, where they wanted to go, what that vision looked like. And uh, from there, you know, was introduced to uh, Gerald Tomasello, uh, who is the COO and president over at Decalash and Michael Blair, the CEO over at Decalash. And, and we just, we had what seemed like 20 conversations in the span of, of two weeks and the rest is history. We we said, you know, let's let's jump in and do this. Initially on the Fran Dev side, I, I came in to kind of help that side start to stack up and scale more. 
And um, as a, you know, one to two months later, next thing I know, we're, we're here as the CMTO of Decalash and playing of sides, but, but the brand as a whole from Deca and Look Good and, and the other brands that we own, including Legends Boxing as well. So your title, CMTO, is something that is relatively unknown by many people, at least in the franchising space. I would venture to guess that that's the case. Explain that intersection, Marcus, between technology and marketing. And when did that intersection occur? When, when would you, if you were guessing, you know, to the nearest six months or a year, when did that title start becoming something that people recognized? This really started to become something they started to integrate from a, a scalability and a really more of a direct like solution option versus where they realized having a, a CMO and a CTO to a certain extent, right, started to not make sense because of the lag of information and in, in digital, right? We, we move so fast. Um, that, so, so it really kind of started out on the West Coast. It would have been really probably about 2018, end of 2017, early 2018, um, and then started to kind of saturate. Well, well, I won't say saturate yet because it is still uh, as you said, a lot of companies are still adopting to that. We see more and more every day that are converting to uh, the CMTO nature, um, not just not just because of the bonuses right that it has of consolidating a, a position, but the bonuses that it has for company scalability and growth when you start to marry marketing and technology. So it's you know this the, the role is focused on marketing, but not just the like I, I have to say not just the soft and squishy creative side that that normal CMOs have traditionally focused on in the past, right? So, uh, you know, CMTOs like myself, right, we, we use everything from strategy, technology, marketing, analytical expertise to kind of help companies exploit and leverage the vast amounts of customer and market data. You know, and as sources get become more diverse, we have more data as we talk about the data tsunami, you know, last week on the on the panel, web analytics, customer databases, right? You, you really, really your chief marketing officer should have a really good sense of how technology and data integrates affects what those pipelines look like because it really does come back to affect the brand as a whole from brand growth to lead gen to lead conversion to consumer retainment and and even on the, the let's just say friend dev side right when we when we really break it down and look at you know you're generating maybe you're generating leads for your franchise sales what what are those interactions how fast are your maybe your developers getting back with them to follow up what happens what is life after uh, franchise development what happens once they become a franchisee what are those marketing and technology tactics that now allow them to scale a franchise in the most efficient way possible, things like that. So it really, really starts to marry the two things that have fought for hundreds of years. We, we actually, there, you know, there's someone that raised the question of how do you get your marketing department and your technology department to get along, right? And so I think that's, that's, that is probably the best answer of it is, is by marrying the two together and letting them really merge in that CMTO role uh, as the head point. And then obviously, right, that breaks out into how do we as a brand navigate marketing and technology together to create the best user experience, whether that is on the consumer side or business to business side. All of it comes down to experience as, as you know, we as humans are starting to navigate and, and understand more of how brands um, control data, media, 
where our information goes, especially as we, we inch more towards data privacy and all of those kinds of things, it really becomes important that, that both sides are working hand in hand in the best way. I have experienced doing that is in a CMTO position versus having kind of two separate opinions that might under one might understand at this level, but then the right, you have your CMO who doesn't understand technology, but then you have your CTO that doesn't understand marketing, ultimately creates gaps. Marcus, we're in a business model in franchising that like it or not, the reality is franchising tends to lag in terms of being up to date on technology in many cases. And in some ways, franchising just slow to catch up with breaking trends. And at the same time, as I say that, I say, too, that probably the lion's share of executives in the franchising space are more likely my age than yours. And so I say yours, the audience can't see you, but you graduated college in 2012, so you're significantly younger than yours truly. And that's typical, I think, of the profile of franchise executives are are more my age than yours, and they are tackling marketing along with other initiatives and the growth of their businesses and the scaling of their businesses with backgrounds and experiences that are more like the old school of media than the current day transformation to digital marketing. Anybody who walked the floor of the convention in the exhibit hall, somebody between my age and even 20 years my junior, probably had a deer in the headlights look when you saw all of the digital this and digital that. How do you break that down to a franchisor executive today who's listening to you today? How do you help them break it down to the lowest common denominator of where do they start? What should they do first to get their arms around this intersection of marketing and technology? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, uh, right, and absolutely right. Like for me, for someone that's, you know, turning 31 in a few months to be in this position, it's right, it's, it's been one of those things, right, a, a unicorn, in the, especially in the, the franchise industry, because it, it is kind of that older generation that is um, has been pioneering that and stays in that for a long time. But I try and, and, and go and pull in from, from everyone, like people like you, Stan. And I would say for uh, franchise franchisors, you know, no matter what level you're at, owner, CEO, things like that. The the very first step, right, is is recognizing times are changing, really have changed, and being open minded to that change, and having someone come in, right, like myself, or that potentially understands the data centric space of it all, and how ultimately it, it affects what your franchise will do over the next realistically 12 months to three years to five to 10. But because of the, the movement of data right now, it, it happens so quick. And in six months time, you can be yesterday's news, um, you know, for, from, from a sustainable sense. And so getting started in that sense, I really say like, you know, road mapping out and saying, hey, here is some of it is a gut check as a franchisor to say, hey, here's where we want to be in, in five years. How do we get there? And then modeling, right? Looking at all these companies that, that are, are doing it, because there, there are a few right franchisors who have taken that step already, who have navigated um, and moved into more of a technology centric. Decalash is one, but there are many others as well, finding them, networking, looking at them and saying, hey, how do we do this? and what softwares fit our company, where does that start, um, and how does it help the entire ecosystem, right, when you're thinking about the franchise, how does it help the franchisor in and of itself, how does it help the franchisee, and then ultimately, right, how does it help the consumer to create just this high-performing ecosystem there, um, you know, but but really navigating, you know, the, the basics of, of CRM and automation, right? I'm, now, I'm not saying jump right in and go straight to AI or 
anything like that, uh, because that's an undertaking and understanding those pieces and, and do they fit your business model. But the basics of being able to automate information so that follow-up is seamless, the data is seamless, and all, everything is correlated, and that you can see a, a level 10 dashboard. I would say that every company should have a level 10 dashboard. They can walk in a digital dashboard and within a matter of 60 seconds know the health of the business from both your side, franchisee side, and that consumer side. And that's something that that we have been working to to, to implement even on the DECA level as well, you know, in that sense. But starting with a, a CRM, right, there's tons out there right now. If you, if you just go to Google and you type in CRM, you're, you're going to get ads for days. But navigating and testing and figuring out what CRM makes the most sense, because if you can push data from all of these other diverse places into that CRM and then aggregate that and pull it out into a dashboard, you've, you've just jumped 100 steps and, and moving in the right direction. So I would say like start with the CRM, find one that is scalable for your organization dependent on size. Maybe you have 20 units, 50 units, 100 plus, you know, that that may, you know, vary in of, of what CRM, CRM are you using? Is it HubSpot? Is it Salesforce? Uh, is it pipe drive? Is it another in that sense? Because from there, with a good integratable CRM, you can push and pull data anywhere you want, you know, in that sense. So I would say like that is the first place really as a company to start thinking, where is our information hosted? How can we share that out? And then I am a firm believer of the rule test, test, test again, right? So um, never stop testing, never stop looking to find that the minute you get stagnant in technology is the minute that you get left behind. So making sure that you are constantly exploring new ways, new things, right? I have a weekly time slot every week that for me, right, I take a step back and I look, what are the new technologies that are launching this week? Like, you know, I think the latest report was that in, in, every, in any given week, I think there's about 100 to 120 new software is launched. Exploring this, how can they, can they, do they help? or hurt the brand. If they help, how do we integrate? Does it make sense to integrate? Should we pilot, right? So taking that time on a weekly, bi-weekly basis to make sure you're staying ahead of all of these trends and understanding those things becomes really important. And who that is in your company, right, should be your, your CMTO or, or who, you know, whoever you have in that place. I can say, here's the top five softwares that we potentially should have on a roadmap to check out in 2020 or 2021 and starting to look forward of, of where trends are going um, in today's age. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, there was this trend that was all about subliminal messaging in radio and in music. They are like the Beatles were always said to have had subliminal messages in some of their tracks. While you were talking about CRM, I was whispering, FRM, FRM, <laughs> FRM. <laughs> Don't know if that works or not, but I was doing it anyhow. Marcus, go back to what you described as a level 10 dashboard. And from even that simplicity, most people probably don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, a, a level 10 dash really is just a, a digital dashboard. And so like like building out, uh, and here I'll, I'll drop a little, like Clipfolio is probably one of my favorite uh, dashboard builders to use out there. There's many of other ones, but going in and being able to pull data from any source, create these dashboards, whether that's a, so a FranDev dashboard, maybe it's a uh, consumer tracking health overall. And that can that maybe means different things to different companies, right? What are the top five to 10 things that you as a CEO need to know when you walk in your, your office first thing in the morning to know 
everything is okay in the company or we have some fires to put out. Within 30 to 60 seconds, you should know if you're growing or, or failing. And um, so, you know, those obviously become different KPIs uh, dependent on what what are the things that determine if your business is succeeding or failing in that day and, and build those into that dashboard. And, and not everyone's going to have the same dashboard, right? So if you're the CEO or founder, you're going to have a dashboard that's a little more honed in, right? From a revenue standpoint to business growth overall, that's a, a much more high level that is not an all eyes dashboard. If you're trying to bring transparency, you want to have a dashboard that all employees can see on social growth or uh, if you have a membership model, right? A live membership counter, consumers in the doors, all of those things. And, and I really do believe I've implemented uh, dashboards like that in the employee workplace. I will tell you probably one of the biggest motivators and transparency of where the company is going and the health of the company within respect of, of that level uh, of employees walking by and being able to see a dashboard to say, hey, you know, here's a live counter of our memberships from all of our locations across the U.S., you know, we're at 8 a.m., we're at 1,000, but by 5 p.m., we're at 1,300. There's no better motivator for them to just feel like they're more, you know, they're a part of something, they're building something. And when your employees feel motivated, right, they give that extra 20, 30% of work in towards it. It helps employee retention, all of the things, right, that ultimately affect company as a whole. Even from a friend depth perspective, I would say like sometimes we get so honed in on the model of the business that that potential franchisee is going to own. But there is a big culture piece to that. Potential franchisees buy into the culture of corporate as well. And so being able to show some of those internal pieces of the, the culture there uh, become a huge, huge win in Frando. We're going to take a quick break right about here and pay some bills. And then when we come back, let's try to unpack this a little bit more in the time that's left to us so that we can leave some nuggets with the audience to benefit them on their path to digital mastery and marketing. A little bit on the B2B as well as the B2C side. So what do you say we take a quick break and we'll be right back with Marcus Slater, Chief Marketing Technology Officer for Decalash. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. 
And we are back with Marcus Slater, Chief Marketing Technology Officer of Decalash, who's been sharing with us some incredibly modern, if you will, for franchising ideas about where marketing has moved to and how technology is driving it all. I explained to Marcus back in my early days in broadcast, you know, you, you bought radio or you bought TV time and you had to just guarantee points and a ratings book would come out every 13 weeks and you either delivered or you didn't. And it was a much simpler world that we lived in when it was somebody buying media based on one criteria, media by definition has changed to a whole new place in a short span of time. And I know that there are many in the audience that are listening to what we're talking about today that would really appreciate it, Marcus, if we could just drop some breadcrumbs with action items for them that they can immediately take to enable them to better learn more about what we're just brushing over very quickly here from 30,000 feet, how they can learn more and how they can action what they're learning to deliver some immediate results. And let's do that, if you don't mind, on both the b B2B and the B2C side of the franchise marketing lexicon. Absolutely. Yeah. So so let's kick it off with uh, B2B, finding the right franchisees. You know, as far as breadcrumbing this right and giving giving really good walking points, you know, get your obviously get your pens out or if you're a note taker as I am on, on the computer or iPad. The biggest first step that you can take that won't cost you a dime. If, you, if you're running out of Google Sheets or an Excel sheet, your friend dev, move it to a CRM. Move it to HubSpot is by far one of my favorites. Uh, it, it's one that I have integrated across many. It, and it is, you can go now, you can sign up for free. If you need to add a sales user license, I think it's like $50, right? So, so no major expense there. Import that data into HubSpot and play around with their reporting feature to start to look at what are the correlating identities that that each one of your contacts on your list have from age to gender to all of these types of things there hubspot has tons of tutorials or you can choose another crm that probably you know with youtube nowadays you can just about learn how to build a rocket ship so you can check out those tutorials but find out exactly how to leverage those reports it's really user friendly but but it'll allow you to start to understand here are the ones right and then and then kind of versus them towards here's the ones that have closed and here's the ones that are still open and here's the ones who are you know have been 89 or are dead leads right and start to understand the difference in between those that is a probably step one if you are if you're not using a CRM begin to use a CRM start to look at that reporting to understand your developers and from that once you understand that you can create that franchise prospect profile. So, you know, the the other big piece that I find for franchisors is they are still living in uh, the networks or the lead portals, and they're afraid to step out of the box. Give it a try. I promise you, you, you won't be sorry. Social media, it is the most popular and used platform right now for advertising. It is extremely powerful. When I talked about scaling 120 franchise units within probably a 10-month period, 90% of that was done through social advertising. Um, so, right, I, I get people all the time saying, no, Facebook, it's not good leads, right? A lot of that comes in targeting and follow-up, right? You may have to follow up with more, but I promise in the end, you'll close more as well. So begin to, to be okay to step outside and start to test these different platforms from Facebook to Instagram, depending on your, your brand and what it is, if it, if it should live in Instagram. LinkedIn is going to be a more costly lead. But a lot of times you are finding those leads that have more capital to actually invest. They're more qualified. Uh, and then obviously PPC, 
looking at your competitors. There's great software out there. Right? I always say like, sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel and actually start to look at your competitors. What are they doing? What keywords are working for them? What campaigns are they running? All of those kinds of things, rather than reinventing the wheel, you take it, you make it a little better uh, and start to analyze that data to ultimately become a competitor. But then the, really the most important part of all of that is staying on top of it. Don't let it become something that just goes away and you're no longer looking at or you're no longer tracking the data. The data of it all is where you ultimately win and can pivot rather quickly. Where was um, it that you said that they should go to get the competitive? You broke up there, Honest Marcus, and we didn't hear whether that was. Uh, SpyFu. Uh, SpyFu is a great one to go to. So it's uh, SPY. FU. Um, that sounds really bad, but I just look <laughs> over that. But uh, spyfood.com, it's a great place you can go, enter in the, the competitor information information and domain and just check that out um, and start to kind of look at them. And, and even if you were to do a Google search to say like, how do I see what my competitors are uh, using for ads? You'll probably get a list of 10 different softwares that you can leverage uh, for that. All right. And time we have left, let's move to the consumer side and talk a little bit about some the action items that a franchisor can take there. Absolutely. So consumers, right? We, we all have different consumers and, and what those processes are from maybe that's uh, e-com based, maybe that's booking online or coming into a uh, brick and mortar. But in any sense, that is extremely, extremely important. And, and you know, we, we've all been kind of coddled by the Apples and the Androids of this world and, and them taking technology and experience to the next level. And so now as businesses, right, we have to navigate around that and create our experiences just as good. Um, so to, to really get started on the consumer side is to find out where your bottleneck is. Every franchisor, whether it's the franchisor, the franchisee, along that consumer journey, there is a bottleneck somewhere where data is not being looked at. Is that is lead generation the issue, top line revenue? If so, where are you advertising? Start to, to really explore where, what are those channels? What is that targeting there? Is it an initial purchase, but you want a recurring, maybe you have a recurring revenue model. Like we, you know, we have memberships. Is it member retainment, getting customers coming back? That should be coming from your dashboard. So starting in Clipfolio and understanding what is happening, but take a few, and, and I'm not saying you have to, at some point, right, you should look at your entire database, but start to take a few or take one location and really examine a lead comes in and this is their interaction. And compare it to yourself. You go through it yourself and think, do I actually like this flow? Is this, does this make sense? But the, the biggest takeaway I can tell you is that in your buying process for a consumer, take away as many steps as possible that you can that are not necessary from initial look to the end buying process. That will be your biggest win. So many times we try to overcomplicate it. But the great thing about technology now is that you can streamline most of that automate it, pass information from system to system so that there is less of a workload on the consumer. Unnecessary steps for the sake of a personal preference of wanting to obtain information that is not relative to the end cell. And that's where you really kind of have to do a gut check and look at those things and say, we could do without having these 17 other fields or these 10 fields. Let's go down to seven. Or maybe we don't need three landing pages from a button click or Whatever that is, examining that from a technology standpoint, but on the consumer side, technology is where you will win. So starting to look into ways to streamline those processes. Are you using chat? Are you using answer bots to 
formulate more self-service. People always think that people want to call in and go through this manual thing, and that's just not the day and age we live in. Right now, we live in a day and age where especially someone like myself, like I don't care if I ever talk to anyone on the phone again. I want to go to a site, see a chat in self-service and reducing a lot of this lag time and CSC. So it's becoming really important that like we want to serve ourselves when we go to these platforms. And if we need help, then we'll reach out or then we'll take that option. But initially, we want to be able to chat, whether that's Facebook Messenger, uh, internal site chat or app chat if you're running an app franchise in that sense. So finding these ways to give consumers the ability to talk to you, how they want to talk to you, when they want to talk to you, and ultimately convert without the headaches of answering, you know, near filling out a, a job application as well. Uh, so I guess key takeaway, right, is remove the steps, integrate more technology. And if you're not doing chat in 2020, it's time to integrate it. This conversation has rapidly come very close to the finish line here, Marcus, and we've only just tipped the iceberg. What question is there that I didn't ask you today that you wished I would have? Uh, that's a good question. I would say if you want to scale your business over the next 10 to 20 years, do that in scale or in 20 years be forced to make that move and start to navigate where that technology roadmap lives. Uh, that's probably the, the one piece that I can leave and just say like, yes, it's changed, but it's changed for the better, for scalability. Find out how your teams now navigate around that single use CMTO who really gets it and grasps uh, all of these things because technology, technology is not taking a step back. We're only moving forward with virtual currency, AR, VR, um, AI, machine learning. It is only going to get more complicated and streamlined, and every business wants to be ready for that because it will leave you behind very quickly. Marcus, for the benefit of those who want to try to get back in touch with you, maybe ask a question offline, how can somebody get in touch with you best? And don't tell them it's the phone because I know you won't answer it. You just said so. so. <laughs> How do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, find me on LinkedIn at Marcus Slater, uh, CMTO at Decalash, or you can also reach out to me at uh, mslater at decalash.com. Happy to uh, field any questions uh, and help you kind of navigate some of these shifts in your own company. It's a scary topic for a lot of people, Marcus, but you share what you share with passion and with a steady hand. And I can't thank you enough for carving out some time to do so today for the audience here at Franchise Today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dan. Marcus Slater, Chief Marketing Technology Officer for Decalash. Well, another insightful interview with a lot of take-home value. Thanks again, Marcus Slater, for sharing so much with us here today. Remember, you can subscribe to Franchise Today at Blog Talk Radio, and you can download us from iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and virtually any place that podcasts are found. Remember, too, to please ask Alexa to play the latest episode of Franchise Today. It's as easy as that to find us on demand. Like us on Facebook, and remember, I'm always happy to hear from you with recommendations for guest interviews and any thoughts or comments you'd like to share about the podcast. All of my contact info is easily found on my LinkedIn profile. So until next week, when I'm joined by Brian Sanders, CEO of I9 Sports, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.